Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. College football, the season has officially begun. We had week zero games over the weekend. And of course, the USC Trojans kicking off the 2021 college football season this weekend against the San Jose State Spartans in the Coliseum, 2 p.m. shown on the Pac-12 Network. We're going to talk about a couple of USC opponents that were in action over the weekend with the coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Or go to his website, harveyhyde.com, for all of his content. We'll also talk about the upcoming game against San Jose State. If you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or send us a call, or I mean, you can give us a call, or send us a text at 424-254-9141. That's the number. Try to keep the voicemails brief if you can, and send us text messages. We got a text today. We got a Voicemail to get to today, so lots of and bunch of emails. We'll get to all those questions later on in the show. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, we always appreciate a five-star rating and review. That definitely helps us to grow the show. And we've been growing. The numbers have been go- getting bigger. And as people anticipate the opening of college football season, which is happening officially this weekend, like it ha- you know, we had a few games last weekend, but all the teams are going to be in action this weekend. And we want to talk about all that with the coach. Harvey Hyde, who is on the line right now. Coach, how are you doing, sir? Buddy, I'm doing great. And right on this podcast, I want to thank you for being on my show on Thursday and Saturday morning. You did a great job, and I really like doing it. I reversed it. You normally ask me all the questions. Well, I asked you all the questions. You know what? You fired them back pretty good, buddy. <laughs> hey, you know, we, we both do this for a living, I guess. <laughs> we just try to do our best. But it was a lot of fun, as always, doing your show and – uh being able to be on in Vegas and, and the Inland Empire. So uh, thanks for having me on for that. And it was fun talking about everything USC, which we're going to have to this weekend, Coach. we got an actual game to go to. But I thought it'd be good to start off with a couple of USC opponents because they were in action this weekend. Uh, maybe we'll start with uh, the the bigger game, the, the UCLA game against Hawaii in the Rose Bowl. Uh Attendance was sparse, I guess you could say, but man, Zach Charbonnet, the running back transfer from Michigan, he looked really good. Uh, I know Hawaii is probably not a great program, but this looks like a Chip Kelly team that's potentially going in the right direction. It's his first non-conference win as the head coach at UCLA. So maybe get your thoughts on that UCLA-Hawaii game before we do anything else. Well, you know, uh, first of all, Ryan, I was really looking forward to the game, uh, I'm surprised and a little disappointed. I am real disappointed as far as the number of people that showed up because it's a national televised game. And again, the Pac-12 is supposed to or trying to have this image out there as far as for national people to see the people and the support of UCLA football and so on, so on, so on. It was a hot day now. Don't get me wrong. But I wish there was more people out there, you know, and uh, and uh, it just didn't look good in the Rose Bowl. That's the first thing. But who'd look good in the Rose Bowl? I thought it was UCLA. I really thought they were coached well. They were disciplined. They had no turnovers. Uh, uh, They ran the football. They made an attempt to run the football. That gave Robinson a lot of 
uh, of confidence because they didn't rely on him to win the game by passing the football. He made a couple of keep runs where he really looked good. And these are the things I'm talking about. The second running back being your quarterback. He looked good at running the football, which is going to cause a lot of problems for a lot of teams. He's very athletic. I thought they looked good in their uniforms. I thought they were disciplined on the sideline and penalty-wise. On the defensive side of the football, they were very fundamentally sound. They had one breakdown in the secondary, but uh, Hawaii's quarterback missed the pass. I just was very impressed by the way they played. They played as a team. They won as a team. And it was very exciting for them to get that win, as you mentioned, for Coach Chip Kelly. And I think this weekend uh, they will have a lot of confidence in going against LSU. And it'll be a big game, of course, for Ed Orgeron and LSU. They've had to move their practice uh, because of the hurricane from uh, their their home port in uh, in Louisiana to Houston. So that'll be a little bit of a distraction there. Then they'll fly in here, I believe, on Thursday and get ready for that game. So that should be a great game, I'm telling you. And uh, the only thing I'm disappointed about is they're so close to each other as far as USC playing at 2 230 and the UCLA-LSU game being at 5.30. So if you want to go to both games, that's impossible. And if you want to watch both games completely, uh, you know, that's impossible. And I think that's something that the new commissioner, I call him George K., will work out in the future. I don't think you'll have USC and UCLA playing at home the same day in, a multi- in an area like Southern California. The people have to get out and fill those stadiums. And I think that in the future, they've got to do that type of scheduling where if SC's at home, UCLA's on the road. So the people have the opportunity of making a choice and going to the games. Yeah, I was. I really wanted to go uh, take a look and, and see that, you know, see that game um, for sure, you know, because it would have been great. But, you know, working the USC game, it was just going to be pretty much impossible so wasn't able to do that uh won't be able to do that but i'll you know i'll we'll probably watch in the press box as we're finishing up interviews and things so um yeah so we'll see all right uh well ucla looking pretty good obviously a real test coming in this weekend with an lsu squad that you know to be fair coach advantages for ucla you've already played a game you got to tune up you got to warm up you, you know all that first game jitter stuff is gone LSU has to come all the way across the country. SEC teams don't do that all that often. And like you said, um, not being able to, you know, with unfortunately because of the hurricane, having to relocate to practice. Um, there's definitely some advantages there for for UCLA, uh, you know, to get, at least give them a shot against Ed Orgeron and the, and the LSU Tigers. That's right. They won't be in their own beds, uh, the LSU team, for a week or maybe more, and that takes a toll on a player. You know, it's a different routine. Players get used to routines and uh, doing certain things, and now they'll be doing their, if school has started there, I don't know if it has, they'll be doing their academic work on the road and so on. It's just an adjustment that young kids have a tough time doing. So I think it will be an advantage for UCLA, and, of course, coming to the Rose Bowl is going to be a a great game as far as for LSU coming out here. Because in in the near future, I think, with scheduling, We're going to get a lot of Southeastern Conference teams come out here and play in Southern California and play in Northern California, these different places, as as well as Big Ten teams and so on. So I think it's going to be exciting in the future of what's going to happen without the expansion. I think there's going to be a lot of playing of interconference games like this, and the LSU game in L.A. is big. It's huge. But uh, 
uh, I just uh, I agree with you. I think you or you you want me to continue to about answering about the question about playing a game earlier and then waiting and not having a chance to play an early game or what? I, actually, I mean, I think that's a before we get into the San Jose State uh, Southern Utah game. Yeah, why don't you do that because. It's going to be a similar situation. Like we were talking about the advantages that um, UCLA would have having already played a game. San Jose State, uh, they've already played a game. So we'll, we'll talk about what you've seen from them in a minute. But what what do you feel goes into those advantages of having to play a game before, you know, a week before uh, another team, your, your, your first opponent or your second opponent, I guess it would be? Well, there's advantages and disadvantages. If you're USC, you have a chance to evaluate your next opponent as a team and a coaching staff. You evaluate the personnel. You compare it with all the work and uh, staff you have on them. Are they doing the same thing they did last year? What are they doing their coverages against this set? Blah, blah, blah. And you have it all broken down. And by today already at this time, they've compared that game uh, with all the games they did last year. Uh, and, uh, I would break it down as saying that if I was coaching at USC, I as a head football coach would have been watching the, uh, the game by myself, taking notes the entire time that I wanted to share with the coaching staff and also the football team. I would have my offensive staff watching the game as a group, my defensive staff, wa- staff watching the game as a group, making comments together so they don't have to repeat it to each other as far as understanding what's happening with San Jose State, all their strengths and weaknesses, what they need to work on more, what will hurt them, blah, blah, blah. Now, the football team itself, I would have the offensive unit watching in one room and the defensive team watching in the other room to give them a real look at what they're going to play against, evaluate the personnel in their own minds, start thinking about the game a day or two early because you're able to discuss it on the weekends when you're not with the coaches, put it into your mind, know the guy you're going to cover, see the top, uh, you know, can you beat this guy? Is that guy going to be, uh, needs to be double team, whatever. So then I'd get together on Sunday with my coaches and also, uh, with my team and we'd uh, have a meeting. I would talk to the coaches first of all and tell them exactly what I saw. And we discuss it and see what they saw. And then we discussed the personnel, the personnel of San Jose State, who we think is there strong players or weak players, who should we attack, who can't handle our defensive ends, where should we, who's slow as far as on the offensive line that we can beat, uh, who can we tease, uh, all of the different things, and the same thing on the offense. Who can we beat, uh, do, can they cover our speed guys, uh, all of the different things uh, that you know we saw. Break it down and then go, of course, to your, with, your, with your team and talk to them about it as a group and then ready, break, get to your team meetings and start preparing for the game. So the advantage that way is for USC. Now, for San Jose State, the advantage for San Jose State is they had a chance to go out there, get a big win, get their confidence back because they did win the Mountain West Conference last year, uh, get their timing down, their substitution down, all the little things that you need to get corrected in your first football game, get the right players on the field as far as special teams. They got that all done. And they're coming to Southern California. This is San Jose State's bowl game, okay? There isn't going to be a bigger stadium with tradition or a type of team. They'll play the entire year. So for them, this is their bowl game. So they're going to bring it all. They're going to relax. They're going to say in their minds, nobody expects us to win this game anyway. 
So they're going to really perform well and be relaxed. And the coaches are going to tell them, let's just go out there and have fun. So it's going to be a very unique game. It's going to be fun. I'm not quite sure they have the talent that USC has. I don't want to say they don't because I respect their players. But I, but I just think that uh, USC will wear them down. If it's a warm day, they have they have all their starters back on defense. They got their their quarterbacks an outstanding player and Nick Starkle. I mean, he's been at Arkansas. He's been at Texas A&M. So he's been in the big lights. But I just think it's going to be uh, USC here if they want to really get ready for Stanford and the rest of the conference and who they play. They've got to establish what they need to get good at not what they're already good at. They've got to be able to establish their running game so people fear their running game and play their running game. So don't do the things you're good at all the time. Do the things you need to get better at. And I think they'll be farther better off the rest of the season. All right. Well, you mentioned uh, Nick Starkle. Um, Brett Brennan, the the head coach at, for San Jose State, um, Mountain West Coach of the Year last year. Starkle played in the... Uh, you know, SEC, um, he's, you know, he's done this many times before. Uh, they got a good run game. Tyler Nevins, a, a good running back. Um, you know, they, they got Trayvon Sidney over there. He didn't do anything in the game. But uh, Kate Hall was the 2020 Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year. Um, so this is, a, this is a team that seems to be, um, you know, it, definitely there's talent there not the talent level of USC. There's experience there. I think it's a team that has a lot of confidence. What did you see from their game against Southern Utah? That's an FCS program, right? Um, you know, they end up winning, what was it, uh, 45 to 14. But any thoughts on watching San Jose State from their win over Southern Utah? Well, you know, we got to look at who they played and nothing against Southern Utah. But Southern Utah is not the... Uh, opponent that they should be playing is far le- less than the talent of a Mountain West conference team. And that was when you call a body bag type of game for them. San Jose State gave them a guarantee to come and play them. Poor Southern Utah's got Arizona State this week. So you can imagine week after week what they have to do. So, you know, it's, it's they, were, they weren't a very talented team. So it's tough to evaluate how good San Jose State was. They were up on them so fast, so far ahead that they just slowed down and they didn't, you know, they could have beat them 90 to nothing. So it's hard to judge their talent. So uh, with, uh, against that type of opponent. So I, I think that San Jose state is a good football team. They've learned to win. And, uh, but uh, to play USC, let's be realistic and let's be honest with everybody out there. If USC can't beat San Jose state by three touchdowns, they're going to have a long season. I think that's uh, I think that's a fair assessment, Coach. Um, it, I mean, that's a great way to put it. Like, this should be a team that is able to, you know, lap this this San Jose State team. Which, like I said, there's there's some really good pieces there. They won the you know they they beat a good Boise State team last year, but you know they lost to Ball State in the in the bowl game. It's not a world beater team, but it's a a very good team. It's a team that if you make mistakes against. If you let them hang around, like all those things, they can take advantage of that. But this is one of those situations where USC should just be so much better that they can kind of do the little brother thing and just hold your arm out and keep them at bay. Like as as feisty as that little brother is, he can't get in any shots because you're just you're just too big and strong. And 
if USC's not, and you let that little brother get in there and, and get a bunch of shots in you, like you said, I think it's going to be a long year for USC. It will be. And, you know, they've got some players now that can play. Nick Starkle can play. They're tight end. I really like their, their tight end, DC. I, I think he could play at SC. Number 87, I think he's a really a good player, athletic. Uh, they use him really well. He was an all-conference player last year. Uh, their secondary is good, but I don't think they can cover the speed of USC. USC's got a lot of talent, a lot of speed, and big receivers. I think they'd have a trouble in the secondary. Uh, they, Like you mentioned, they've got a guy that rushes the passer pretty good. I think he got 10 sacks last year. So they got a guy that will come after you, and so you got to utilize a guy that's aggressive like that and run inside of him and trap him out and do different other things to slow down his uh, rush. But you know, the receivers are good receivers, but nothing that the secondary can't handle. They've been going against a great group of receivers for the last, you know, two weeks or three weeks in camp and in the spring. So I'm sure they could play man on them the whole day and cover them. I really believe that. Running backs, yeah, they're average running backs. I'm not saying they're not good kids, but, you know, would they be at USC playing? No, they wouldn't be. Their offensive line is, is good. They're all returning. They got all five starters back from a year ago, so they've got a lot of experience. And I think the coach will be talking to them about, you know, let's get let's take a challenge. Let's go against these guys and see what we can do. This is a challenge for us. So they'll look forward to that. So I think there's a lot of good challenging that's going to go on as far as in coverages and blocking and all the different things that a good first, first game uh, win, if USC can do that, build a lot of confidence for them maybe get some other players in the game, have good morale before you have Stanford. Yeah. All right. Uh, there wasn't not much news. Uh, we did hear since we last recorded coach that Jackson Dart um, will be the backup quarterback to Keaton Slovis. The entire depth chart will be re, uh, released later this week. Um, there's, you know, there's some spots for sure. I, I kind of feel like it's going to be Cortland Ford, left tackle, John Monheim. Right tackle, uh, maybe some sort of rotation with the, you know, inside linebackers between Raymond Scott and um, Kenai Malga and Raylan Goforth. Uh, we you know, will we know if they're going to be two running backs? We actually have some questions on that, so we we can get to like the running back stuff in a little bit. But we do know that Jackson Dart uh, will be the backup quarterback to Keaton Slovis. You know, Clay Helton said that there was some you know tough conversations that they had throughout the team, but certainly. Uh, you know, praised Miller Moss, the way he's handled everything. He came back, you know, a little behind because he didn't get to play his senior year. And Helton said that, you know, when the lights were on, when it was a scrimmage time, that Dart played better. You know, having watching, and we don't get to see everything, like you said, Coach, we don't get, we don't get to watch all this stuff. But what I saw, I thought Miller might have played a little bit better. But there's, I think there's some upside, too, with Dart and his athleticism. But I think Miller Moss has got athleticism, too. Uh, but anyway, that's the that was one race that was decided. You know, Keaton Slovis is the starter, and we've seen quarterbacks go down the last few years, Coach. So, uh, pretty good chance we're going to see Jackson Dart at some point, blowout injury, whatever it is. Uh, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, you know, a lot of times you 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 look at a player and you say, "Who's a playmaker?" You got to say, "Who's a playmaker?" You know, there's some guys that sometimes just don't practice that well, but really, when it's game time, really play well. Really, they're all of a sudden, they're game changers. Now, I'm not saying that Miller Moss isn't that. He's proven that in high school. But you have to put a lot of things in your thought 
when you pick who your backup quarterback is. Look, look what happened a couple of years ago when JT went down and Keaton had to step up. I mean, uh, you had to have a guy who you had confidence in that was ready to go in and play and make some plays for you. So when you when you talk to these quarterbacks, you know you say now, Miller, uh, if you I know you should feel bad. You're depressed. You're down, but you got to hang in there. You could be the next guy up next. And uh, this isn't done. We just had to make a decision at this time as far as where we are at this point. And I don't blame you for feeling bad, but it's time you put your arm around a couple of these kids and let them know you love them. And it's a decision you have to make as a football coach and for the football program. And what you've seen under fire right now, Jackson Dodd is the guy we're going to go with. Now, I thought, from what I saw in the scrimmages, I like Jackson, too. As you mentioned, he's a little bit bigger and he's a little bit more athletic. And he runs around and, and does things. So I would have made him number two also. But Miller Moss is a great player. So who knows what might happen in the future. You don't want to lose him. You don't want to lose the love that you have for him. You've got to take care of him because obviously, you know, there's a lot of thoughts going through his mind right, right now. So, you know, he's a winner. He wants to play. And that's very depressing when you're not up there and you're not the backup to Keaton, but they're all anticipating Keaton will be leaving next year as far as going to the NFL, but he could be leaving after the first quarter of the opening game. So don't lose it and don't think about next year. Let's think about this year. Let's get ready to play. And who knows what's going to happen. Now, I think, too, that it's very important that they keep these kids within the program. And that means both of these kids are on the sideline with headsets on, knowing what every single play is, either charting them or writing them down so that they know what's being called out there or what's being changed on the line of scrimmage and why he threw that pass or why he didn't throw that pass to that person. And when those when he comes off the field, the quarterback, those two go over with him, listen to everything that he's talking to, to the quarterback coach or the coordinator, stay with him, sit on the bench with him, discuss all what's going on out there so you're still a unit not eating sunflower seeds down at the other side of the field. Not that they do that, but I saw someone doing that yesterday in the NFL, okay? And that really upset me when I see a backup quarterback who's not a backup quarterback, a quarterback that's not playing but eating sunflower seeds fully dressed. That just didn't – I don't buy that, okay? So you've got to keep them involved in the game as far as a player. They've got to communicate because he might go down after the first play. We don't want to see that, but you've got to be prepared. And that's what I'm going to sell for these guys, talk to these guys about it. And I'm going to, as a head football coach, be more involved now with the quarterbacks to watch them closely to make sure I see them still competing at what the way they're supposed to be competing. All right, Coach. Uh, well, good, good thoughts there. Uh, we'll be out at practice again this week, kind of seeing what transpires as they get ready. Full game mode now for San Jose State. Before uh, we get to questions, I have one other topic I want to bring up. There's been a lot of questions about tailgating. And so, as you know, some of the mandates that have come down through the health department, uh, you know, uh, county, state level, right now, when everyone goes to the Coliseum on Saturday, anyone that goes, you have to wear a mask at all times unless you're eating or drinking. USC also announced that they were not going to allow on-campus tailgating for at least for the San Jose State game. I'm guessing it's probably not going to change a week later uh, in Stanford. We haven't heard for sure. 
they're really keeping a lot of things close to the vest on this coach from what I'm hearing that they're, you know, there's people even at USC that aren't even sure how this is going to work, but they're making decisions and it's changed. You know, there's health things are changing. They just allowed uh, students on campus and the volume of people was the reason why they decided for not wanting to have on-campus tailgating. And I've had a bunch of people email me about tailgating options and things like that. So I want to let everyone know, um, so there's a company called Tailgate Concierge. We've worked with them in the past, Tailgate or Concierge, uh, working with them in the past a little bit. And they have some different, um, you can go to their website, you know, Tailgate, tailgateorconcierge.com and, and check it out. But they are, um, there's some options. There's uh, like full tailgates available that you can kind of, that you can rent and they provide all the kind of stuff for you over at the African American, California African American Museum. But also on Christmas Tree Lane, which is in front of the, right in front of the Coliseum, where all of the peristyle area is with the statues, you can actually rent space there. So similar to what you were going to do on campus, you can rent space. I think just space or some basic space stuff where they'll provide like uh, tables and chairs and things, and you can get a pass and they'll drop stuff off there. Uh, so there are some options if you got. I know people are asking me. This is the only good thing I've heard so far is the tailgater concierge company. So check those, check those people out if you want to go tailgate, but yeah, I'm sorry. It's like, I feel bad for people coach. Cause there were, you know, just people were like really looking forward to um, tailgating and stuff. And we just don't know. Everything's been up in the air. So hopefully people can enjoy and have fun. And enjoy the game. If you were trying to figure out a tailgating situation, uh, go try tailgate or concierge. I think they'll help out. And we're going to work with them later in the year and probably do like a, a tailgate ourselves. But, um, if you want to go to San Jose state and do a little tailgating, um, this is one option there, but it's, it's tough coach on the fans. Cause it's not really sure what to do right now. No, I agree. And uh, late notice is not good. Labor day weekend, everybody's fired up going to the opening game of the year and tailgating at USC is a big experience. I mean, it's something that people will love doing and, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. I think another thing you could do is call your buddy that has a tailgating spot over by the Coliseum and see if you can join him and, uh, or something and get it done. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Didn't know that. Uh, but let's don't let that ruin the game. I mean, wearing a mask in the stadium, no big deal. Okay. No big deal. Just, just adjust to it. It's like wearing a helmet. Would you rather a helmet or a mask? Okay. So just go on in there and, and enjoy the game and, Sometimes you have to give up some things and you don't want to, but you know, I don't like to drive the speed limit all the time either, but sometimes I have to. So we got to adjust to some things and, uh, and we want to save lives. So, you know, the life we save uh, might be yours. So let's follow the rules and get it done so we can keep the season going. Sounds good, coach. All right. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and answer some of your questions back in a minute. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
Cornell.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We got our buddy Curtis. He's fired up again, Coach. You took a little hiatus, but um, you know he loves some Keaton Kristen. He's got a question, and I want to play it for you, Coach. Here you go. Hey, Ryan Curtis from Moreno Valley. This is for you. And the coach, um, I believe that Clay Helton should veto Mike Jinks' idea of just having two backs, 1A and 1B. That made Marquis Steph and Stephen Carr leave when you brought in the other backs from Texas. Rotate our backs. I know the coach wants the back to stand long enough so he'll know if a linebacker is scratching his beard, he's going to blitz. Well, the backs need to tell each other about all these little things that are going on out there, and then we can perplex them with several different talented backs with different talents. All of them can catch and run. Some of them are faster than others, but it's something to worry about. And you have to worry about the air raid. The backs are going to be the key this year when we play against all these soft zones. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well, Curtis, uh, you know, I'd like to see all the backs have equal equal opportunity. uh, uh, They certainly deserve it. They are talented backs. But as a football coach, uh, uh, and you probably were a football coach at one time, or at least you're around football a lot, you know, everybody – you know, doesn't always get in the game, and uh, and you got to give the the, the 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 team the best opportunity to win. What's the best opportunity to win? Uh, who are the two guys or three guys that are going to give you the best opportunity to do everything that you ask them to do on the field? I mean, block, run the football, receive the ball as far as in a pass, and. Don't have create turnovers or give up turnovers. Don't drop passes or fumbles. And those are my guys. And until uh, I've been around football long enough to make a decision on who those guys are, that gives us the best way to win and who those guys are, just like you had to decide with the quarterbacks. Well, you have to do that with the running backs. And as a as a offensive backfield coach, you, you, you're watching all the films. We don't see all the films. We don't see who's blocking or making the wrong move or going the wrong way or doing something all the time that they see and they grade on. So myself, it's two or three guys, and the other wait for their opportunity. But I want the two or three guys in there that do it the best. Because talent-wise, they're all about equal. You've got different types of backs. You've got a speed guy. You've got a tough guy in Malapii. You've got... The other two backs that transferred in, Campbell's a nice, uh, nice freshman running back, and and I like Barlow, and I also like uh, the other kid. I think Ingram. I think he's a good player, but who are the two or three that do it the best for you? You only have so many plays in a football game, and you can't waste one of those plays. You've got to have that person that's not only 
physically ready to play, but mentally ready to play, and who does the best thing for you. So I understand exactly what you're saying, but you've got to take the three guys that are the guys that do it the best, all the things you ask them to do, and you let them carry the mail for you. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that rotation coach because they've got a lot of good options for, for backs there. But Kristen just brings something different, right? I mean, he just brings a, a whole different look. And if you're only going to put him in for some gimmick plays, it's you know when he comes in, like, oh, it's going to be a swing pass or whatever it is. Uh, I get. I mean, I don't know how you balance that, Coach. If you if you want to get him on the field and, and have him make plays, he almost has to be out there a lot more than just for those big ones that you want him to break. No, you're exactly right. Do you have tendencies when you just bring him in for certain plays? I agree with you 100%. And I would say the number one thing he has to learn to do is he's uh, not as big as the other backs, but he's got to learn to pass block. And he's got to step up, and you can teach a kid how to pass block. If he doesn't come to you, you don't go to him. He's got to go through you to get to the quarterback, so don't lunge. There's always a teaching a kid how to pass block, okay? And if you can set him up and hit him high and then chop him or whatever you have to do to get his hands down, you do whatever you have to do. Chop him and then scramble. Then he can't get away from you, whatever the technique is. But, uh, you know, Kristen's the type of guy. He's the type of guy. Kristen is, he might not make a yard on one play or two plays. The second play, he make three yards. But on the third play, he makes 50 yards. And that's what you have to look at. If you don't have a home run player, you got to have some people on the field on your offensive side of the football that can give you that score that, Oh, oh, he's gone. That's it. Even if they have the angle, he's gone. Say, but on the field, as far as your receivers, you have different type of receivers. You look at Alabama the last couple of years, the receivers they've had any one of them. I mean, they're going to hit you for a home run and the way they punish you with their backs at Alabama. I mean, they just punish you. Then all of a sudden they're gone. They're big backs that punish you and they're, uh, they're not necessarily speed guys, but they're the different type of philosophy down there, what they do, than what USC does. So, you know, I, I think he does make things happen. I think the others can make things happen. I haven't seen enough of Barlow to determine my thoughts on him, but I saw Ingram in the spring, and I think he's a good-looking kid. And we'll just have to wait and see what the coaches think, but that's where it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be up to what the coaches think there. We'll see what... Uh... You know, when we get the depth chart, probably a lot of ores, I'm guessing, but we'll see uh, how that comes out. Uh, let's see. We had a uh, we had a text coach actually uh, from Eddie and Orange, and he said he sent a a meme like a graphic meme, and it said, "I've made a huge mistake," and he was referring to Marquis Step, who, which since we're just talking about running backs, transferred out to Nebraska. He did get, you know, congrats to Step. He got the first touchdown of the college football season. Of course, the first score, first score was a safety on a punt, which is very rare and very strange, but it was on brand for that kind of fairly terrible game between Nebraska and Illinois with Brett Bielema coming back to the uh, the Big Ten. I got to watch the, you know, I got to see Step. Uh, he, uh, Nebraska was doing nothing on offense. He caught like a 30-yard swing pass that set up that touchdown. He had a one-yard touchdown run, so he did have the first Touchdown of the college football season, but um, Nebraska went on to, to lose that game to Illinois, even though the Illini lost their starting quarterback. Uh, really tough situation for Scott Frost there. Uh, the USC, I mean, the, the USC, the Nebraska 
uh, legend uh, and came back to um, Lincoln and it's just not working out so well. It's going to be hard for them to make a bowl game. But uh, do you think Marquis Step is going, man, I've made a huge mistake transferring to Nebraska, coach, from what, like what Eddie and Orange was saying? Well, you know, I, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have let him go. I think he's a great back. He's going to be a great back. And man, I, I hated to see him leave USC. I, I just think he's a superstar. You heard Reggie Bush talk about him yesterday, uh, or on Saturday when he was broadcasting the game. Uh, yeah, I think he made a mistake. I really do. I think he was, uh, people knew who he was here. And I think he was the heir apparent. I think he's a great running back. Uh, he was injured at one year, so he didn't play that much. He's a stud. I mean, he's a he's a load to bring down, man. He's going to punish you and beat you. And it just Nebraska's not very good. They can't throw the ball. Martinez, I don't know what's happened with him at quarterback. They're not any good. I don't know what's happened to their program. And Illinois, I mean, they're not very good. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I just was puzzled why they didn't play him more they really didn't play him that much i mean yeah he should have stayed at usc uh, a lot of kids leave and it's good for them but no that wasn't a good move for him at all he, he should have stayed right at usc and i'll tell you what i'd have told him if he lives i'll come and he does he want me to go to jail and he just said what do you mean go to jail coach i said i'm gonna come and kidnap you and then they're gonna put me in jail <laughs> so you know and then i said i want you that bad so don't leave our program Nice. Uh, and just a little other news, too. Um, Stephen Carr was announced as the starting quarterback for Indiana. So he's uh, reunited with Dylan McCullough. So he'll be the start. Um, Step didn't get the start. And I didn't, I didn't get to watch the rest of the game. But at least in the beginning, he was the back that looked like he had the most promise, at least. Uh, I'll have to go back and check. I don't know. I don't even know if he scored again. I'd have to go back and look. So sorry about that. But he did score the first. College football touchdown of 2021. So congrats to Marquis Stepp. Um, we got a question from Dr. Levi. He's talking about competitiveness uh, for Coach Hyde. Hey, gang. I'm sure Coach Hyde wants to win each game. But I'm wondering how his, quote, intense desire to win compares with the, ta- with the level of competitiveness of Pete Carroll while he was at USC. Do you think there's a big difference? That's from Dr. Levi. A big difference between him and me? About your intense desire to win and the level of competitiveness. Oh, no. Pete Carroll was certainly a legendary competitor. Uh, he would be competing with you in tiddlywinks or on the you know the their noon basketball games. He was pretty intense as far as that. Like, I guess uh, Dr. Levi wants to know if how's your competitiveness if it compare where it compares with Pete Carroll's. Well, it's hard to, to, to compare us both, but I'm intent, very intent, and I'm very observant of every single thing in our program. I observe everything. I'll, I'll even see a piece of tape on the field, and I want to know who threw it there. And uh, I know who's on the bus, who's not on the bus. I know every single thing about our program, uh, uh, and I'm very intent, and I make sure all the players know that I expect them to be intent at the same time. Like, Pete Carroll didn't require his players I do not believe to wear their helmet the, uh, the entire practice, and I did. I used to say that if you take your helmet off, you're not ready to play, unless I tell you to take your helmet off. There's a lot of things that I, I wanted my practice to be competitive because I wanted my practice to be tougher than the games, and I think that's what Pete Carroll did. 
the kids look forward to the game because they hated being to go into practice and hit every day and compete every day. Well, that's what I wanted my kids to do. I wanted them to look forward to the games because they had an opportunity to have fun rather than just hitting themselves. And I used to tell kids, you get better every day, five days during the week than just one day on Saturday. So let's compete every single day. And in most cases, I was fortunate to have great players like USC has. Then when we went against our own players, in most cases, they were better than the players we were going to play against. And uh, that's a good feeling to have. And I think that's what Pete Carroll had. It's not all coaching, it's who you coach. And I think Pete Carroll loved recruiting. I love recruiting. A lot of coaches, head coaches, don't like recruiting. They'd rather play golf. Well, you know, that's not me. I'm not a golf guy or a camper. I like to be with the kids. I like to recruit. I like to work on football. I like to be around the kids all the time. I love the parents, the support groups. I would never turn down a speaking engagement if someone asked me and send someone else. I think that's Pete Carroll, and uh, that's just the way I am. Uh, uh, and I think Pete Carroll is the same way. And there's different ways of winning now. This isn't the only way of winning. There's different ways that coaches win. Bill Belichick wins, and he hardly talks to you. So, you know, there's different ways. Coaches are different. They have their different styles. But, uh, yeah, I would say that we are both similar. All right. And we got one last one from our buddy Dan. USC class of 1962. He says, I watched a replay of the 2020 USC versus UCLA game on ESPNU. It was another last second win, but what stood out was the lack of a run defense and poor tackling. It was just fundamental football that the defense couldn't execute. What have you seen so far in practice that will correct the poor tackling and the inability to stop running plays from gaining chunks of yards on every yards on every play could the problem be that the defense does not practice against an offense with a good running attack? Fight on and win from Dan. Well, I think that's part of it. I agree with you. You've heard me talk about that every week, that when you don't run the football and you're the offensive team and you're going against it every day, how do you get better on defense? And, uh, you know, you're not used to that type of tackling. You're not used to that type of offense. And you're used to more pass rushing and coverage than you are pursuing tackling in open field and doing all the rest of the things you have to do. So, yeah, they have had trouble tackling, and I agree with that. In the past years, they really have. They've been sloppy at tackling. And uh, I think that what I've seen so far in the fall, and that's not a lot of tackling as far as in open field, I think the secondaries tackle pretty good in open field. Uh, I really do. Now, the thing I'm worried about is losing contain. I don't want that defense out there, the USC defense, to lose contain. Now, Starkle isn't going to run the ball much, but he did run a couple times on the keep and the bootleg that I keep talking about. they got to have USC's quarterback do to hold the backside. So, you know, I, I want to see how they react to that because when they get to ASU and they get to some of these other schools that their quarterback is athletic like UCLA's, they're going to be they're going to be really in trouble unless they've been able to practice tackling those type of backs and those type of uh, players. So... Uh, yeah, I, I think their tackling is a little better this year, but I haven't seen a lot of change. And I'm waiting. I'm really waiting to see what happens because I think everybody has heard the same story every year. Yes, we're going to improve on the running game. We've worked on the running game. Yes, we're going to do this. Yes, we're going to do that. I mean, I haven't seen some of the things uh, in the the fall that I heard they were going to talk about. I mean, we haven't watched much short yardage. We haven't watched much 
uh, formations as far as running backs and what type of two-back sets they might run. We haven't seen any of that. And we're not supposed to talk about it anyway, so I'm not going to talk about it. But, yeah, I'm really waiting to see. I think USC, the fans at USC and the people are, don't tell me anymore. Just show me. And I think that's what the story is. Yeah. You got to you got to see what's out in the field. I think we've talked before and you you thought that the, some of the tackling and the scrimmage you liked it looked like they were more fundamentally sound, so maybe there you know there's some positives there Dan right. uh, on that. Um but you know we'll see the, the proof will be in the pudding. Um you got that off season, you got the the Todd Orlando culture he wanted to install, all of that stuff. They've had an opportunity in this off season. So we'll see uh when the results on the field if the, if it matches that or if there's going to be a lot of, you know, broken tackles and uh, big gashing run plays uh, against this USC defense. So we'll have to see for that. All right, Coach. Well, hey, uh, clean little show here. And uh, next week, we actually get to talk about football we've seen. Uh, really looking forward to that, getting over to the Coliseum again and checking out the Trojans and all the rest of the Pac-12 too. But, of course, you know, there's some big games in uh, opening weekend, um, you know, as far as college football goes. Some huge week two games for sure. Uh, around the Pac-12, but uh, can't can't wait to see uh, USC and San Jose State in the Coliseum. Well, it'll be opening day, and it's going to be an exciting day for everybody out there. Don't worry about the tailgating over there. Just go enjoy the game, okay? Uh, and uh, we'll look forward to being back with you next week. And if you want to get an early edition of my college football review for the entire weekend, you can check me out Sunday morning with Chuck Hayes and myself on AM 830 from 10 to 11 a.m. So again, Ryan, I want to thank you for being a part of this podcast and for all of our fans out there, buckle up and be safe. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. That's the coach. I'm Ryan. Hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.